Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What mama don't know ain't gonna hurt mama. This is Funny Like Clown Podcast. I'm your host, Dennis Worth. Episode 76, September 9th, 2000. And 20, a year we're all going to remember as being one crazy-ass year. Uh, here to discuss uh, comedian, uh, funny guy, I guess, uh, for some people iconic and for some people not so iconic, Adam Sandler. Uh, love him or hate him, man, he's making it happen. As always, Funny Clown Podcast is brought to you by G Vegas Buffalo Sauce. For the spicy, sweet, savory taste at game time, go to www.gvegas.webs.com. Get some lightning in your mouth, live it right to your door. What a great buffalo sauce for game time. They got the games are coming back, man. There's no fans in the stands, but we got the games back. And what better way to celebrate them than having some good buffalo wings while you're watching the game. Uh, Adam Sandler, man, yeah. Um, arguably, arguably, uh you know, you could have a great argument. Is he a great comedian? Is he not a great comedian? I mean, some people actually just adore this guy and love him to death, and some people not so big fans of what he does. So I guess he's one of those love him or leave him comedians, and everybody's got a different taste in uh, in comedy. And I don't care what comedian you are, not everybody's going to love you, and I don't care who you are, not everybody's going to hate you. So uh, that's part of the game, man. I can tell you this much. Guy's making it happen. Uh, after becoming a member of Saturday Night Live, and you know, you got to, how many great comedians have come from Saturday Night Live? I mean, a lot of people said, you know, it was cutting edge when Belushi was on there, and you know, after that it became a shell of itself, and uh, but you know, it brought us the Eddie Murphys, I mean, all the great comedians, I mean, how long has it been on? Long as I can remember, so uh, Saturday Night Live, just an iconic start for many comedians, and uh, you know, filming in New York's tough because while you're filming in New York, you can't be out in L.A. making movies. So uh, that's why a lot of them leave. You know, they get their start there, then they leave to go to L.A. to make some movies and further their career. And, uh, you know, for some people it work out. Look at the Will Farrells, okay? Uh, look at the Eddie Murphys. And uh, some people it don't work out so great for. Look at the John Lovitz. I mean, not that John Lovitz is hurting for money or hurting in their game of comedy, but he never had that, that huge box office draw hit of his own, you know. He did have movies, but they just weren't the Eddie Murphy moneymakers that, uh, that that they could have been. So, I mean, uh, hey, never got to work a day in his life. Do what he loves to do. And that's half the battle right there. Um, after being the Saturday Night Live cast member, he went on to Hollywood, as most do. And uh, I could drop the mic right here after I say this statement and forget the rest of the podcast, because this speaks for itself. All of his movies combined, gross at the box office, exceeds $2 billion. Not $2 million, $2 billion, okay? So, uh, if you don't like Adam Sandler, ask yourself, do you got $2 billion in your account, to your credit, to your name? Probably not. I don't know what his percentage of that was, but uh, whatever percentage of $2 billion is, it's one hell of a lot of money, man, okay? So, uh... Love him or hate him, man. He's raking in the cash. Somebody's liking the guy. Uh, much more extensive movie career than I thought he had, okay? Which, you know, I gotta say, I love Robin Williams. Uh, great comedian. Well, I mean, 
probably better known, I mean, you know, good comedian, probably great actor, better known for his acting career, but it, it got to the point, it was like every turn you turn on the TV, you had a new movie coming out, he just, he oversaturated himself, and, uh, the, I think he got, he got onto the point where he made too many movies, okay, and yeah, that's what he does, and, you know, he wants to keep working, he wants to be relevant, but you can come to the point where you're over-relevant. I think they did that with the Star Wars movies, you know, where they tried to put out so many Star Wars movies, they were oversaturating the market, and, uh, I guess Solo came out, and it didn't do too good at the box office, because, hey, how many Star Wars? We love Star Wars, but, you know, you're not going to watch it seven days a week, you know what I'm saying? Well, once every now and then, you're dying to see it. When you when you can see it every day, it loses its thrill. I mean, not for the hardcore fans. I mean, me personally, I love it. I couldn't wait to get more, but not for every fan, all right? They don't make monies to, yeah, they don't make money. They don't make movies to break even. They're not fans, okay? They make movies to make money, okay? And when they're not making money, you're not going to see many more movies. So Disney decided to pull back on the old uh, Star Wars because uh, they're oversaturating the market and try and get some of the mystique back where people want to go see it again. And uh, not that he's putting out too many movies, but, I mean, he certainly stayed busy. Uh Starting with Billy Madison in 1995, Happy Gilmore in 1996, The Waterboy in 1998, and uh, I remember he had uh, Henry Winkler on these, and uh, the Fonz, man, every kid, hey, it's cool to be the Fonz, and uh, just, you know, legendary TV series from all of our childhood, and how cool is it when you get to the point in comedy where you can bring in your childhood heroes to work with? Uh, I know Amy Schumer did a movie, and she brought in Goldie Hawn, you know, the veteran actress that Every comedian, you know, female comedian, that's the icon of their time, you know, Goldie Hawn, who wouldn't want to work with her, but how cool is that just to, you know, be big enough in comedy where you can work with your childhood heroes and bring them into what you're doing, I think it's just an awesome thing, I'd love to do that someday, uh, The Wedding Singer in 1998, uh, Big Daddy in 1995, Mr. Deeds in 2002, 51st Days in 2004, uh, the remake of The Longest Yard in 2005, uh, Click in 2006, Grown Ups 2010, Just Go With It 2011, and like I said, you know, early on I saw some of these, these uh, you know, uh, Happy Gilmore, uh, The Water Boy, and I was entertained, I thought they were good movies, I thought they were funny, but it wasn't one of those where, man, I'm dying to see this guy again, it was like, yeah, it was a good movie to watch, I was entertained by it, but it wasn't like, oh, I can't wait for to see the next movie this guy's got coming out, I mean... It was one of those, yeah, I was happy to catch it, but it wasn't something I was dying to see again. But, uh, you know, you want to stay relevant, you keep putting material out. And that's what this guy's doing. Uh, Grown Ups 2013, Bl uh, Blender 2014, Murder Mystery 2019. Also doing some voice work uh, for Hotel Transylvania, playing the voice of Dracula. So, uh... Definitely staying relevant. Did he oversaturate the market? I wouldn't say that, but uh, this is what he does. He did it, and, you know, no matter how good you are at what you do, everybody's got that one gray area where they put out and uh, very controversial what he does. Not everybody loved him. He was voted for three Golden Raspberry Awards, and I remember, I guess the best one I remember, Halle Berry got one for a portrayal of Catwoman where it was just so bad that they gave you a raspberry, so... Uh, he's gotten three where people thought his movies were so bad, they gave him a raspberry. Uh, got 11 more nominations, so, uh, he was nominated, I guess, a total of 14 times. Won three raspberry awards for the worst movies. 
He has more nominations than anyone except, get this one, for Sylvester Stallone. And i got to say, Sylvester Stallone, you loved Rocky, you loved Rambo, but other than that, his movies were shit, okay? He tried so many other movies and they were just shit. And that's why you got Rocky 10 and 12 and Rambo 15 and 16 or whatever he's doing because he had to stick to those franchises because everything else he put out was crap. Uh, I remember he did a movie with Dolly Parton I watched as a kid and it was like so over the top bad. That one had to get, get a raspberry because it was just so horrible of a movie. It was so not what you know him for doing and he tried to go outside of his character and it just... It so didn't work. Uh, remember, did he had Cobra? That was, you know, uh, a pretty good hit. I mean, it wasn't a huge hit, but it was a decent movie. So, not that he didn't have some decent movies, but other than right, you love him for Rocky and Rambo, but other than that, not so great. Um, here's where I guess Adam Sandler made his big move here, which uh, did gain him some recognition. Uh, he went into some more dramatic roles where uh there were critical claims is good uh uncut gems was a recent one which i did watch that and geez you almost didn't think it was adam sandler he was playing such he was so into character and playing such a different character and a lot of people said man he should have been up put up some some awards man and they 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 cut him dry at the award show so uh i guess you know you gotta pay your dues okay it's hollywood i don't matter how bad look how big of a star adam sandler is it don't matter you you gotta kiss some ass okay you want the big awards you gotta you gotta you know present yourself in a certain way you gotta walk the way you want they want you to talk the way they want you to so it's all a political game and i've said that you know i've said it a hundred times the three sides of comedy it's the political game the financial game and the being funny game and being funny is always dead last so even the big star Adam Sandler is, he's got to play the game if he wants the awards. Um, let's see, other serious roles he took, uh, Punch Drunk Love, Punch Drunk Love, he tried to say, uh, Rain Over Me, and uh, did get some moderate success. So, I mean, started out of the comedian and the comedian roles and went on to do some serious roles. And uh, well, I remember, you know, going back to Robin Williams again, he got typecast as the funny guy, and it was almost saying, you know, we've seen him be the funny guy so many times where... I think it was called Picture Me or something, where he did, where he worked in a photo booth and a family dropped off, you know, some photos, and he got so into the the photos that he got that he broke into the house, and it was a really dark character he played, which was so different from the fun-loving Robin Williams guy. But everybody was sick of seeing Robin Williams the funny guy because he oversaturated the market. He had to do something different to regain some interest in him, and you know, did he gain more fans or did he alienate some of his fans by doing a role like that? I guess you know. If you hit it big out of the park, I guess you get the big awards, and if you don't, then it goes down as a gray area. But, you know, you don't know unless you try. That's the thing. There's no saying. And uh, right now I'm putting a movie together. It's a low-budget movie, but I wrote it. I wrote the script. The character's got a lot of followings, the child support superhero. It's called The World Needs a Superhero, and, you know, I, do I know if I can pull it off or not? I don't know. I know there's, there's uh, you know, a hundred friggin' uh, kids in the Boston area who can't hack it in the real comedy world that are going to, not say they don't like it before they even watch it just because you know i'm successful at what i do and you know i won't book them for headliner money when their opener's the best and oh hey man dennis wins a comedy so we're gonna dislike his movie man and that makes me feel like a facebook hero comedian well hey go ahead and do that okay because you're not slowing me down one bit i actually kind of laugh at people like that but uh Back to Adam Sandler, man. Started out, and I do remember this because uh, most of us watched the Cosby Show growing up, and 
Uh, he was a really young, he must have been, geez, 17 or 18 or something. He played one of Theo's friends on the show. Where, I mean, if you're getting on the Cosby Show in any role at the time, this is like one of the top shows on TV, man. That's a hell of a way to start your career right there. Uh, this one, I faintly remember. He played Stud Boy on MTV's Remote Control. And, you know, MTV back then, that was the network you had to tune in. It's a shell of itself now. Back when they actually played videos on music television, okay, which they don't even do anymore. Um, made his film debut, 1989, Going Overboard. Uh, from that movie, again, enough popularity where, hey, you don't have to have a 9-to-5 job anymore. He started working comedy clubs because he was known for being in that movie. And once you got a movie credit to your name, you're a much bigger drawer at the uh, box office, uh, working the comedy clubs. Uh, he started as Brother's Advice, okay? His brother urged him to go try stand-up comedy at the age of 17. And, uh, you know, nowadays that's that's not really a young age to start comedy. I mean, back in the day, you know, it's, it's tough at 17 to break into the comedy scene because even now, I mean, there's so many veteran comics and it's such a fun thing to do comedy, they never retire, you know? I mean... It's not like, you know, okay, I hit 62 and I'm going to retire from comedy. It's retirement age. You do comedy the day you die because you love to do it. So it's tough to jump over one of the veterans of comedy because they never leave. So uh, that's, that's, uh, that's a young age to get a start back then. Um, here's where luck really hit him, I guess. Uh, playing the comedy clubs, you know, which, you know, you do. You interact with some stars. You don't always hope for them, but sometimes they're in the audience. Sometimes you open for them and... Uh, Here's the big one. Most of them don't even pay attention to the opening acts because they don't want to, you know, I book some big acts myself and it's like they want to be in a different room because, you know, well, the young acts are on stage, they're all looking over at the big star. Oh, what's he doing? What's he doing? They want to see what they, you're taking away from the show. So out of respect for the other comics, you know, stay in the green room, you know, come out and present yourself in the show. But, you know, most of the clubs, you know, they have a little TV or something in the green room where you can watch what's going on from in there. Well, he got lucky, and uh, comedian Dennis Miller caught his act, and I guess he really liked his act. Uh, so Dennis Miller, a Saturday Night Live alumni, recommended him to Saturday Night Live, said they should hire this guy, that he's that funny, and that's really sticking your neck out on line. I mean, you think that you think a kid's that funny, you're going to recommend him to Saturday Night Live. Now, if he goes in there and makes an ass out of himself, that's making you look bad. So he really must have thought a lot to Adam Sandler to do that for him. At uh, Dennis Miller's urging, they hired him, um, made a name for himself on the show with a Thanksgiving song. Everybody remembers that one. Gobble, 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 and a little bit of gibble. Uh, wish that turkey only cost a nickel. See, I could recite it. See, I know the Thanksgiving song. The Hanukkah song was always a big, uh, a big hit. And I guess he had the genius where, you know, everybody knows the Christmas songs, but uh, he took the alternative route, wrote... Songs about holidays that don't have a whole lot of songs about them. So, genius move right there because you stand out and get remembered for something nobody else has done yet. Uh, 1995, I guess. Uh, nothing lasts forever. I know in sports they say the coaches, they get hired knowing someday they're going to be fired. Okay, You don't coach forever. It's a job you take and you know you're going to get fired. It's like Saturday Night Live, you know. The next hot up-and-coming comic's going to boot you out someday. 1995, he and Chris Farley get fired from the show Saturday Night Live. And uh, years later, from 1995, he made his return in 2019 after he became a big star. They invited him back to host. And uh, 
after being fired, a lot of people would have said, hey, F you, but it's still Saturday Night Live, man. And if you get the host it, he came back, and I guess half of his monologue was just joking about being fired from the show and being asked to return as a host. So, hey, F you, you fired me, and I went on to make it. So, uh, good for him. Uh, but, you know, some people need that urging. Some people quit the show to go to Hollywood because they want to take a chance, and some people need the urging, you know, hey, I'll stay here forever. Saturday Night Live is a good gig. It's like, no, get the hell out of here. It's time to do something else. And sometimes you need a boot in the butt where, you know, I booked a, I booked a little dive bar for years up in New Hampshire. And it was like, it was a good gig. They paid me. I could pay, you know, the comics who came in. And, uh, but, it, you know, it, it got to the point where I think I was there six, seven years. And they finally said, we're going to end comedy. And I was so crushed because I had been there so long and it was all I knew. But... It forced me to do bigger shows. It forced me to pursue bigger things. So sometimes, you know, when they say when one door closes, another opens, and certainly another door opened for me right there. Uh, some uh, some other stuff he was on. Uh, you know, where you're at the top of your game, like I said, where he worked at Henry Winkler, you get to work with the stars. Okay, it's like who are you rubbing elbows with in the business? And uh, I had some young comics, and I let them open for. Local Boston legend Steve Sweeney, who's been in, you know, the Rodney Dangerfield movies and uh, a lot of Denzel Washington movies, just all kinds of big movies. And, you know, once you have that credit to your name, hey, open for a guy like that, you're going to get booked more. It shows you moving up in the business. And I tried to explain that to him, and I guess I did a little video of him, and I put it on, and they're can you pull that video down, man? I wasn't at my best. I don't want to show him. It's like, well, you may not have been at your best, but you're being connected with one of the biggest names in comedy, Steve Sweeney. That's going to further your career. And, Hey, it's their career, not mine. You know, you try to give advice, not everybody's going to listen to it. So I pulled the video down, but uh, my question was, why wouldn't you want to be connected with one of the biggest names in comedy? That's good for your career. But, hey, everybody runs their own career. I didn't listen to everybody. Not everybody's going to listen to me, right? But this guy's working with some big names. He appeared in Coneheads with uh, David Spade and Dan Aykroyd, two of Legends of Comedy. Um... I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. He appeared with Kevin James. Uh, appeared in Grown Ups with Chris Rock and uh, Rob Schneider. Uh, Just Go With It with Jennifer Anderson. Uh, Blended with Drew Barrymore. So, I mean, these are some of the, you know, he's working with the legends of comedy. The Aykroyds and the David Spades. Uh, the new guys, the Kevin James and the Chris Rocks and the Rob Schneiders. Uh, some of the top female actors and the Jennifer Anistons, uh, the Drew Barrymores. I mean... What, you know, what else can you ask for in your career than to be, you know, working with some of the biggest names in the business? That's when you know you made it right there, so. Man, roll with it, roll with it. When you got some, you know, you got some adrenaline, you got some things going for you, you parlay that into something bigger and you keep rolling. That's, uh, you know, I remember, I forget the comedian, he said, geez, he got one of one of the late night talk shows one time, and it was either Letterman or something, in a corner or whatever, and he said, man, that was it. I hit the big time, I finally made it. He said he was on the show, and the next day, you know what happened? nothing nobody called the book and nothing happened well you know what nobody's gonna come knocking on your door you gotta go knocking on theirs okay hey you gotta start knocking on comedy clubs hey i've been on late night you know but you think it's automatically gonna happen for you you gotta stop working you never gotta stop working in this business man you gotta keep going for it no matter what you do you gotta keep pushing forward that's why i've been successful because i go out and make things happen i don't sit by the phone waiting for it to ring you know so don't do that <clears throat> All right, as he clears his throat. Uh, 2015, he uh, made his last film with Pixels, who that's who he was releasing his uh, films through. 
move over to Netflix, which, uh, man, Netflix is just taking over, I'll tell you. What do you think uh, CBS, NBC, and ABC thinks of Netflix, you know? I mean, well, here's how it's happening. TV, you know, they played all the sitcoms and stuff, which got you interested, and then they got all the big movies, you know, that you had to watch, you know? When they're done at the theater, what do you do with them? You put them on TV. Then came along HBO and Cinemax and Showtime, all the pay TV. Okay, well, you don't put them on TV anymore. Now you put them on pay TV. So you get paid at the box office. You get paid on pay TV. Then when they're done pay TV, you can still get a little bit more and put them on TV. Okay, well, now along comes Netflix, who's an Internet-driven thing, okay? Now everybody's going to the Internet to watch movies, okay? You can make more money on Netflix by charging people to subscribe. So, uh, I guess they're the new Comcast or whatever, you know. I mean, uh, you used to have to pay for Comcast. Well, now they're getting competition. You don't have to pay for that anymore. You can pay for Netflix. And, uh, big battle of TV, you know, from TV to pay TV to now internet streaming services. Uh, it's a new world. It's a new world taking over. And Netflix are leading the charge, man. They're getting all the big names over there. They're paying the big bucks, man. They're shelling out some money. But, uh, they're not doing that unless they're making a heck of a lot of money in return, all right? These are the people who, you know, you know, People are willing to pay money to see, and they don't mind shelling out the big bucks. You want to see these guys, you're going to see them through us. Uh, if you got the money, you need money to make money, they got the money, and they're making money, so good for them. He started Happy Madison Productions, okay? This is when he started his own company, and uh, which I didn't know. He produced, uh, you know, movies like uh, Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo for uh, Rob Schneider, who was another former Saturday Night Live alumni, so, you know... He's helping the next generation come forward as stars, and I've said it before, it's a responsibility. Once you hit the big time, you're responsible for bringing the next generation of comics up, and why wouldn't you want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to pass on what you learned? And It is a catch-22, I'll tell you. I had a local comedian, he helped me out so much, and I wouldn't be doing half of what I was doing if it wasn't for him, and I so wanted the payback. I'm like, you know, I want to do for one of these young comics what he did for me, but... I was intelligent enough to listen to the guy. I said, you know, this guy's working all the big shows I want to work. I better listen to him. Where I've tried to help out a bunch of kids, and all they do is burn you. They want to think they know the business better than the guy who's doing things. They, they don't want to listen. They want to do it their own way. It's like, well, I'm working the big shows, okay? Well, oh, you're hitting open mics. Maybe you ought to listen to me. No, no, I'm smart. I know what I Well, if you're that smart, go do it. I was smart enough to listen to the people ahead of me. That's how you move forward. Not by being the next hot shit big mouth comic by listening, okay? Listening and paying attention and learning. That's what's going to get you ahead. Best advice I can give you. Don't shoot your mouth off and be the next hot shot. Um, yeah, you know, I guess you could say about his movies that uh, critically, he got so many bad reviews, Adam Sandler. But as I said earlier, they did good at the box office. So although the critics didn't like him, the people did, all right? At the box office, he did good. Uh, so, you know, that goes to show you that people reviewing your movies, they don't always know what they're talking about, okay? Bad reviews, good at the box office. So the people loved them, but the critics didn't. And if you're making $2 billion, I'd be telling the critics, hey, go fuck yourself. I got $2 billion in gross sales. So, uh, hey, you don't always know what you're talking about if you're a critic. Uh, rarely do. It's like the weatherman. Who listens to the weatherman for the weather? Because they rarely get it right. Um, let's see, 2014, he cut a deal with Netflix, as we mentioned, for a four-movie deal to make four movies, okay? Now, this ain't a lot of movies. Four movies, $275 million, okay? I mean, this is like, 
this is money most people you know how many people have to work to make 275 million i mean it's just a ridiculous amount of money right there so uh good for him he's cashing in he worked hard he paid his dues and now he's making a living at it uh you know, he's such a big star where I'm sure he gets more requests than he can fill, you know. I mean, you can't do everything. You can't be everywhere all the time. So, uh, what do you do? If you can't make the big stars on, okay. Now, I'm a local comedian. I do Funny Like a Clown podcast. I have interviewed some big stars, but I can't get them every week, and I know that. So, if I can't get them, what do you do? You talk about them. You talk about, you know, instead of interviewing them, you do a review about them. That's what I'm doing. So this guy was referenced in a lot of places that probably would have liked to have him on, but couldn't. Uh, referenced in The Simpsons. Sure, they would have loved to have him on, but he didn't have time for The Simpsons, but they referenced him. Referenced in Family Guy. Referenced in South Park. Um, he actually crossed over. How many people are referenced in a video game? Uh, Happy Life, he was referenced in that video game. So everybody's just trying to touch that guy's likeness, okay? And... Uh, you know, they say the ultimate form of flattery is impression, and if they're talking about you, they're flattered by what you're doing. Uh, let's see. Uh, how good of a guy is he? This is how good of a guy is he. He donated $1 million to the Boys and Girls Club in Manchester, New Hampshire, one of his hometowns around there, about an hour drive from where I'm at, man, and uh, that's giving back right there, man. You're making $275 million, cut it down to 274 and give a million to the Boys and Girls Club. That's a cool thing to do right there, man. Um... Let's see, he married a model and an actress, and uh, they had two kids together, and uh, I guess uh, she and uh, both his kids have appeared in some of his movies, so hey, you know, you keep the family together, you're on the road doing movies, bring them with you, let them be in the movie, that's always a cool thing, and uh, back in the day when you could make comedy albums, you can't do that anymore because of streaming, they put out free comedy specials for people to see. And uh, from that, they get the ticket sales. But back when, and man, it's a lost art. The comedy album is just a lost art. Uh, you put out, They're All Gonna Laugh At You. Uh, another album he put out, uh, What the Hell Happened to Me. Put out, uh, What's Your Name? Uh, Stan and Judy's Kid and Shh, Don't Tell. And, um, you know, I remember that one. Uh, well, they're all gonna laugh at you. Don't go. They're all gonna laugh at you. I guess his mom, like, giving him a complex. Uh, the one I remember as a kid, I mean, I did watch, listen to his album somewhat, uh, Tollbooth Willie. I always got a kick out of that one where, uh, oh, Tollbooth Willie was, he'd collect a toll and somebody put a jab at him and he'd, like, throw a jab back as they were driving off. And I always thought it was a funny little skit that he had there. And a lost start the comedy album, uh, the kids of today's will never know, you know, they'll know a great comedy special, but they're never going to get the great comedy album where you can listen to in your car or listen to with your friends and, giggle into your pillow because your parents you don't want them to hear you listen to it and uh you know what a what a lost start i wish i wish somehow we could stop streaming has been good for one way and it's been good or bad in another way and that's the way it was bad where you can stream so much for free they can't even make money on comedy albums so they're not putting them out and not that comedy specials are a bad thing but it's a whole different day and age than what we grew up on the great comedy album that's what we grew up on and it's a lost start all right, let's go see what the people had, uh, fans wrote in about uh, good old Adam Sandler here. And they had quite a bit to say. So, again, fans always don't come out for every comic, and they came out for this guy. So, critics like him or not, the fans are coming out for him. Uh, one, Jimenez writes in, so many, he's a huge part of my childhood. And, uh, yeah, you know, when a comic's a part of your childhood, you go to work and you're, 
telling your coworkers quotes for movies that, you know, made you laugh and you try to act like they're your own at work, you know, that's how, how much you're being impressed by these guys being a part of your childhood and I know the Eddie Murphy albums, I mean, I grew up on those, me and my friends were constantly throwing quotes at each other from those albums because that's what you remember from your childhood. Uh, Louis Pavan, uh, you don't mess with the Zohan. Uh, saw it alone at a very low point in my life. Uh, made me realize for a couple of hours I could shut off real life and enjoy... <coughs> Alright. I'm allergic to this studio. I never sneeze until I'm in this studio. Something's up with this shit. Dust problem or something. I don't know, but... Uh, uh, let's see. Made me realize I could shut off real life and enjoy some extremely silly shit. And, uh, they say laughter is the best medicine, man. You know, if you got a problem in life, you laugh about it. That's what's going to cure it. You need to have a sense of humor. You know, if you got cancer, you laugh about how cancer's messing with you. If you got a, a crazy ex-girlfriend like I do, you laugh about how she's messing with you at. Okay, that's what you do. Um, that's what gets you through it, man. Laughter will get you through some tough times in your life, man. I know that all too well. Uh, Dean Wall, the skit with Alex Baldwin on Saturday Night Live when they were Boy Scouts. That was a classic one. Canteen Boy, okay, where I guess uh, Adam Sandler was uh, playing the pervert trying to uh, get into Canteen Boy's pants. And that was a hysterical skit. Go watch that one on YouTube if you haven't seen it. It's, it's worth taking time out of your day to go check out. Michael Buster McMahon, uh, some great stand-up on Saturday Night Live work. But just so many uh, dreadful movies, and, uh, you know, it's like I said, yeah, he's had some big hits, but he's had some big flops, too, and there's rarely, you know, the legends, you know, which he is a legend, but, I mean, every legend's got that gray area in their career, man, and, you know, something you put out, you can't stay on top forever, something you put out, it's bound to bomb when you're putting out that many movies, uh, Kelly Bray LaRoche, Saturday Night Live, everybody remembers him for, some great stand-up back then. Uh, Rodney Worth, Stud Boy on MTV's Remote Control, and like I said, MTV, that was the, the big network back in the day, every kid was tuned into it, just to, just to get a glimpse of you on that was just like, uh, kind of like the late night toes, you know, if you, if you were seen on those, you were a made comic, well, if you are on MTV in the 80s, you were a made comic, man, because it was not easy to get on, uh. Let's see, uh, a good one, and uh, Dean Wall, his cousin Colin Quinn. And, uh, Carrie Whirler, Whirler, <laughs> um, Jen McCarthy and Carrie, I think Dennis Leary was on it too. Yeah, I mean, before they were all big stars, these guys were all starting out on MTV, uh, love that show, Ken Oberman, uh, uh, David Graham sends in a picture of him with Adam Sandler, so yeah, if you get to meet one of your childhood heroes, and that's how we identify ourselves nowadays with pictures, because every cell phone's got a camera on it, and who can get the next cool picture that's going to go viral? Cal Verducci. This is kind of an emotional one, but uh, when he sang his tribute song to Chris Farley, yeah, these guys were tight on Saturday Night Live, and after Farley died, man, that had to mess with his head bad, and uh, I guess he sang a tribute song to him, and it was an emotional song, and, you know, hey, paying tribute to his friend, man, but I'm sure it wasn't easy to sing about him, and, you know, how do you, you one of your close friends dies, and, you know, now you got to make a joke about it, right, you know, it's not easy, so... Uh, he took the emotional route, and what an emotional time it was. Uh, William Johnson, Happy Gilmore, uh, Christy Moreau, Billy Madison, um, Nita Gaby. <laughs> that's his name, all right? That's your name? You didn't get harassed in school with that name, did you, Nita? Uh, I'm just joking, man. Hey, 
I, I heard it, man. Uh, Dennis Worth. Yeah, what are you worth? Yeah, I heard that one a few times. Uh, uh, getting to meet him on a couple of different occasions. And, uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's like, you know, I got to, to, to meet, you know, my hero Sam Kennison. He passed away. I couldn't meet him, but I got to meet his best friend, Carla Bove, and that was certainly a moment for me. I mean, when you get the opportunity to meet one of your childhood heroes, that's always a cool thing. So, uh... Patrick Ford, uh, being on set all day as an extra for the filming of Funny People and watching him being directed by Judd Apatow in the comedy scene, in the comedy club scenes. And, uh, yeah, extra work, man. If you can get it, you know, you sit there and you see what's going on. It's a hell of a learning experience, you know, even if, you know, who are you in the movie? I was the little dot there. You're seeing the big crowd. You see that dot? That was my head right there. It's the back of my head. It's like, yeah, but... You know, you're getting educated. It's kind of a free class. You know, if you get to be an extra, you see what's going on. Where if you get to the next level, you know what to do. You're not walking in there with no idea. Uh, Edward Leclerc had an interesting story. I was on the M66 bus on the UWS. When the driver stopped, uh, got on his microphone and told us, Hey, everybody, it's Adam Sandler. And sure enough, there on the sidewalk stood, sidewalk stood Adam Sandler, holding his kid and chatting with some people. The driver opened his uh, little window and shouted, Hey, Adam, get on my bus. Adam smiled and waved, and we resumed on the journey. So that's cool, you know. And some people, they handle the media well, and some don't. Jerry Seinfeld, he was famous, you know, for, for always just making fun of the paparazzi, not getting some, you know, get drove crazy by the paparazzi because you want to be a star, but then you get to the point you're such a big star, 24-7 people are clicking a camera at you, and at some point you get sick of the camera, you know, you you don't get to choose when the cameras get to be on you, you know, you're out eating a meal by yourself, you want a little alone time, be peaceful, you got people clicking cameras at you. Shannon Sylvia, what's your favorite memory? None. Bill Kirchenbauer from Just the Ten of Us, what's your uh, favorite memory? None. So as I said, not everybody was a fan of Adam Sandler. But, uh, hey, $2 billion, somebody likes the guy, and no matter what you do, as I said, not everybody's going to like you. Uh, Ray DiTomaso, skidtard. I don't know what the hell skidtard means, but uh, sounds like you got something going on in your underwear there, Ray. I don't know what the problem is. All right, uh, Sean Cerrone, they're all going to laugh at you. One of the great comedy albums, back when you could put out a great comedy album. God, I miss those. Uh, let's see, Mark Helgoff, none, again, not a fan, all right, well, he's got a lot more fans than he don't have fans, Michael Jacob, the water boy, uh, Monica Woodville, all of his movies I love, all right, well, there's, that's when you're a big fan where you can do no wrong, it don't, don't even matter if you put out a bad movie, that's like I said, even Star Wars, okay, nobody liked the last three they put out, but you still want to see them, you know, because it's still Star Wars, I mean, if you love Adam Sandler, don't matter if he puts out a bad movie, you're still going to go see it, because he's your guy. Uh, let's see, uh, Lee Bolak, Anger Management and uh, 51st Dates, I believe the Anger Management is in with Jack Nicholson, I mean, anytime you're working with that guy, that's just a hell of a credit right there, uh, Kim Adams McPhee, Tap, Tap, Taparoo. That was from one of his movies. Uh, Cheryl Proto Krause, uh, Mama Says, My Mama Says from The Water Boy. I think I started off with the show with that. Uh, well, Mama Don't Know Ain't Gonna Hurt Mama, okay? Let's see. Uh, David Graham, uh, he sends in a picture of him and Adam Sandler with the nice pose there. Adam Sandler with the sunglasses, and they got a big smile on the face. Just thrilled to be standing next to him, and that's what happens with the stars. 
Jimmy Mastro just sends in a big heart. That means he loves the guy. And when the fans are loving you, what else can you ask for in comedy? Uh, Gail Krupp, uh, too many great memories. He was the greatest and another heart. So, hey, people are sending the hearts. That means they love you. What else can you ask for in comedy? And, uh, you know, Eddie Murphy said, which, you know, he's talking about a return to stand-up comedy, but he said, you use comedy as a stepping stone to get to make movies. What's what's most, you know, great comedians remembered for? A lot of remember for their stand-up, a lot of remember for television. But when you put out a good movie, that's a stamp on your career, you know. The, you know, you stand up, that's a joke, you heard, but movies last forever. How many times have you seen the original Star Wars? I couldn't even count how many times I've seen it as a kid. You know, how many times are they going to watch a movie? Are you going to get the next movie? But, you know, comedy's a stepping stone, and that's the top of the stepping stone is making movies. You know, it's uh, doing, you know, your stand-up comedy in clubs, putting out a record album, hoping that leads to a television appearance, a great television appearance. What do you hope that leads to? putting out a great movie, okay, and that's the top of the comedy chain is putting out great movies, so hopefully my movie I'm putting out, the world needs a superhero, the world needs a new superhero, look for it, it ain't gonna be out anytime soon, because we got a lot of work to do, a lot of scenes to film, but uh, I'm hoping it becomes a cult classic, and if that becomes a cult classic, maybe that'll kick me up to the next level, and uh, you know, in, in any event, it's gonna be having fun to do, even if it flops, we're gonna have fun, and uh, Having fun's half the battle, man. If you're having fun, it don't matter what other people think about you because uh, laughter is the best medicine. If you're laughing every day, you put it out, whatever the result is, the result is. Have fun. You never work a day in your life. Go to work today. Tell somebody a joke. Have some fun. Be the life of the party. Put some laughter into somebody's life. Laughter is the best medicine. And, hey, if we all laugh, that's going to make life a heck of a lot easier for you and everybody else around you. Till next week, laugh.